Hi, welcome to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast slash Videocast, episode number 27. Uh, today, I am excited to bring you part one of carb cycling with intermittent fasting. Um, I've learned so much researching this for the last month or so, and I'm so excited to bring this information to you. And I'm excited for a number of reasons. First of all, um, most of you know that my husband is under 30 pounds from his goal weight, and I am uh, right at 20 pounds from my goal weight. So we are just examining what we eat a little bit more, and while still wanting to not necessarily be so restrictive again. Um, there will never be a time that I will go back to not celebrating with my family. There will never be a time that I will not enjoy our Disney World trip coming up here in a month or two. There will never be a time with our dining plan. There will never be a time that I will not enjoy my grandbabies, baby showers with the food that is there. And there will never be a time that we will not celebrate birthdays and many, many special occasions with seven children. And so um, that is still a big reason for intermittent fasting for me, um, just because of the flexibility in uh, food choices for special occasions. But at the same time, I know, as I've taught throughout the last year of my teaching on the subject, that every day can't be a special day. And so with that, looking at what are we doing for the week? I talked about this in episode number 26, which was about calorie cycling. And um, uh, after studying the two, I'm really partial to calorie cycling um, because I feel like it's the most, the more flexible of the two. Um, but at the same time, I think that there is a lot that we can learn from carb cycling. As a matter of fact, so much that we can learn from carb cycling that this will be a two-part uh, video that we will do episode 27 and episode 28 on carb cycling. And so I have my boards all ready to do some detailed teaching to you, um, but I want to preface it with what I always preface it with, and that is that when I bring you information about other protocols coming together with your intermittent fasting, that is because I might need it or you might need it. But then again, you might not need it. There are many, many people who do intermittent fasting without much supplementation. I've talked about that with my Plexus supplements. There are many, many people who do intermittent fasting and maybe they just take some serapeptase, maybe they take some fish oil or whatever, and they don't have a lot of supplementation. That's not me, but many people do. There are many people who get all the way to their goal weight just relying on the boundaries that one meal a day, OMAD, provides for them. And they do not need any other approach brought in with it. And um, I would lean more towards that way, definitely. Um, I'm kind of excited to get down, obviously, to my final goal being this close. I've never been this close to my goal for 25 years. This is the smallest I've been since between uh, child number five and six. And so um, I'm excited about that. Um, and at the same time, I think that we can all learn a lot by learning about macros, because I think that those of us who have come from other uh, restrictions throughout the years, we have 
gone through periods of time where we villainized fat. I did that for when I lost 100 pounds. The first time I lost 100 pounds, which was like 27 or 28 years ago, 26 maybe. But I lost 100 pounds with a low-fat, low-calorie diet. So we villainized fat for a long time. Then in more recent years with Atkins and low carb and keto and even a little bit of paleo in there, paleo, we have villainized carbohydrates. And so we are so quick to villainize these things. And now sometimes people villainize protein, right? Um, which there are some issues with too much protein if you have kidney problems and so on. But we are so quick to just jump on the bandwagon with this macro or that macro or against this macro or against that macro. And um, when in reality, Matt, all three macros make up our calories. That is our calories. Everything we eat is comprised of fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. And when we lower our calories, we are lowering our macros. If we lower one of our macros, like carbohydrates, but we don't raise any of the other two macros, we are lowering our calories. If we raise our macros, for example, people who hear that healthy fats are good for you and you need to eat more fats, so they increase their fat grams each day in an effort to take in more MCT, more butter, more uh, coconut oil, more avocado oil, more olive oil, more avocados, more eggs, those kind of things, nuts. And they're like, oh, fats are good for me. And they increase their fats without changing their other macros. They have too many calories now. Macros are related to everything we eat. And so it's important for us to understand macros. I also think it's important for us to understand macros because at their very, very center, macros are healthy. They are the healthiest things that we can eat when we eat just straight protein, straight carbs, straight fats. When we don't necessarily have a lot of combination foods, but we are just eating carbs from apples. We're just eating fat from um, egg or meat or nuts. We're just eating protein from meats or eggs. Those are kind of combination, but they're not combination in that we're not creating you know, a combination dish. So macros, no matter where you are on your fasting spectrum, you don't need any other boundaries or help me. I need more help. I need to get my eating under control more during my eating window. No matter where you fall, I think we can all benefit from learning about carb cycling because of its emphasis on macros. So should you carb cycle? I'm going to ask, answer this a little bit at the beginning and then again at the end of part two. Uh, proponents of carb cycling say that it boosts your metabolism and it helps with fat burning. It burns fat better for you. And the funny thing about that is the reason that they say that it helps with fat burning is the same reason intermittent fasting helps with fat burning because it is giving preference to your body fat over carbohydrates which is what we're doing when we fast, right? It's, it's really cool how many things, the, the things that work in the diet world are the same things that work when we intermittent fast, except we don't have to do anything, right? <laughs> All right, so they, boost your, they say it helps boost your metabolism and it helps with fat burning. And one of the reasons they say that it boosts your metabolism is because over like, low calorie all the time, low carb all the time, down when we're taking our calories so low, we are harming our metabolism. So with carbohydrate cycling, we're at you know low carb, moderate carb, high carb, 
which is the essence of carb cycling, we are not staying too low all the time and harming our metabolism. So in that way, it's boosting it. Uh, it helps with fat burning because it's going to choose your body fat preferentially on the low carb days. More about that in a minute. It is said to be easier to follow than low carb. And I would say that this is definitely true. Coming from a low carb background, my blog, even before it was an intermittent fasting blog, was a low carb blog. I wasn't as vocal about teaching it as I am intermittent fasting because I wasn't as successful at it as I am with intermittent fasting. Um, and, you know, most of you know that my husband and I have just lost 100 pounds together in the last 10 months on intermittent fasting. So I'm very vocal about it because I know it works for me. Whereas I was struggling with the whole low carb thing and trying to teach how to cook because I understood how to cook and bake low carb. And I still do. And I still have a lot of those great recipes at the blog. And I still teach about that. But I'm not going to stay low carb all the time. So I would say yes. It's easier to follow than low carb because the high carb days, you can have your sweet potatoes, brown rice, quinoa, apples, bananas, white potatoes, um, rice is already said those bananas, watermelon, um, uh, healthier crackers, healthy breads, those kind of things, oatmeal. So I would say that it's definitely easier to follow than low carb. Your food choices are much greater in carb cycling than they are in low carb. It is said to be better for muscle building and strength training since the high-carb days fill your glycogen stores in your muscles for working out. And we talk a lot about emptying our glycogen stores during the fast and how we want to empty our glycogen stores during the you know, first 16 hours of our fast so that then our body goes into fat burning during the fast, right? And that is how we become fat burners during fasting. Well, a similar thing happens to people who are not doing intermittent fasting but are just doing carb cycling. And that is that they are filling their glycogen stores up and then they're doing harder exercises, more muscle burning, muscle utilizing exercises like HIT and strength training and weight training. They're doing that on their higher carb days and they're using that stored glycogen from the muscles to fuel their workouts. So in that regard, they're saying that um, carb cycling is better for muscle building and strength training than a low carb diet is. Um, so, and I would say that my experience now that I've been doing HIT and strength training for about a three months now, my experience is such that um, my higher carb days the night before Definitely fuel my workouts better the next morning, so I can attest to that. Um, it is thought to be a more advanced weight management tool for those who are trying to lose the last 30 pounds or who have plateaued um, for a while with other methods. And so even the ones who are not necessarily teaching it with intermittent fasting, they will definitely teach that uh, if you are new to weight loss or you're just starting out, you're going to be better off using some other approach and saving carbohydrate cycling in your arsenal for later on. So um, uh, it's considered to be a more advanced, uh, advanced method. And it really is in that if you don't have a good understanding of your macros, it's going to be a lot harder to utilize this method. I'm going to teach three levels of it this week and next week. The um, difficult level of you know a lot, a lot of counting and a lot of math and a lot of time 
um, the medium level and then the easiest uh, way of looking at it, kind of kind of like I did with the calorie cycling. So I'm going to do that for you guys too, um, but uh, it's definitely a more advanced method. And also, if you're just starting out, you're going to lose through intermittent fasting. If you do the OMAD over three, like I teach at the blog and, and my podcast and video cast and in my course, um, the intermittent fasting course, you are going to lose weight from your fasting and your eating window, your OMAD, as long as you are bringing in boundaries in the way that I teach without any counting, right? So um, I would say that this would be something that you might want to save for your last 20 pounds or so. Um, it pairs easily with intermittent fasting since it's not unusually low carb. So what that means is a lot of times uh, you do hear about intermittent fasting with keto and intermittent fasting with low carb. Many, many teachers teach intermittent fasting coupled with keto, coupled with low carb. And the reason for that is because they're having lower carbs and higher fats, and those fats sustain them during the fast so they don't get as hungry. So it pairs easily, uh, intermittent fasting pairs easily with low carb and easily with keto. But it also, this approach also pairs nicely with intermittent fasting because on your high carb days, again, you're filling those glycogen stores and it works well for adding exercise in with the intermittent fasting. Um, again, it's not needed unless you want to break through a plateau, learn more about healthy eating or develop another eating boundary. All right, so the overview, the big picture of carb cycling is that it's a method by which you manipulate your carbohydrates to have more carbs some days and fewer carbs other days. So in that way, it's like calorie cycling. You're going to cycle through. Now, I'll just tell you that when I first heard about carb cycling, it was from a friend. I got a text, and she said, hey, this was back when we were trying to do low carb, both of us were. And she said, hey, have you heard about carb cycling? It's an approach where you have low carb some days and high carb other days. So you only have to stay on the low carb part of the time. And then you can have whatever you want on the other days. Now, if you remember... When I first began intermittent fasting, it was because I heard you could eat anything you want. So keep in mind, I'm one of those, I want to eat anything I want kind of girls, right? And which has only gotten better and better with intermittent fasting. I never thought I would like, oh man, I just want apples. I just want eggs. I just want salad. Man, I got to make myself some stir fried green beans. I'm dying for green beans. Who is this girl? And what have you done with Donna Reach? Anyway, um, but... If you remember right, that's why I started intermittent fasting. So my ears perked up, and she said, you can have whatever you want on the other days. Well, then I found out that's not really true. Because <laughs> true carbohydrate cycling is, health, is a really, really healthy approach to eating. It is where you manipulate your carbohydrates, but on the high-carb days, you don't eat whatever you want. You eat carbohydrates as your main fuel that day. And so you're still eating all those healthy carbs I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, it is used by people who want to burn fat quickly, again, for the same reason as intermittent fasting. On your low-carb days, you're going to uh, use your body fat as a preferential fuel source. Same, same thing. So in that regard, you know, you can see how carb cycling would really, really come alongside of IF and help a lot. Um, it can be elaborate, where you count all your macros all of your calories, and you weigh all of your food. Or it can be simple when you're examining the day in terms of carbohydrates only. 
and you're just like getting a big picture kind of thing. You're not necessarily counting every little thing. I'm going to teach all three ways today or today and next week. It is pair it you pair it with exercise plans. And this is when you uh, research this on your own, you're going to find most people talk about carb cycling in terms of exercising. And so what they are doing is they are combining cardio or less muscle intense workouts with low carb days, or they're combining it with their rest days. So low carb equals cardio or rest or less muscle uh, weight training type of activities because you don't fill your glycogen stores and you don't fill your muscles with glycogen to use for your exercise. So in that regard, it's the low carb days are your um, low uh, exercise, low in terms of muscular output, I would say. And um, your high carb days are combined with large muscle weight training or high intensity interval training where you empty out those stores easily. If you remember right, um, I said there in other videos, there are three ways to get into ketosis slash fat burning. It starts with ketosis, then you go into body fat burning, but three ways. One is through the keto diet. One is through uh, fasting, getting through your glycogen stores after 16 hours and then burning your body fat. And the third way is exercise-induced ketosis. And that's what HIIT training does. So high-intensity interval training for 15 minutes um, where you do so high for 30, it's 15 to 60 seconds, um, uh, that you cannot speak while you exercise. It's full out spurts. And then you do one to two minutes of recovery and then back to hit and so on and so forth. And that is, that is, and so does muscle uh, weight training also, that brings you into ketosis because you're emptying your glycogen stores like that. You can, a uh, 15 minutes of hit can equal like three to six hours of fasting. I mean, I don't quote me on the exact numbers. I've heard different amounts, but it, 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 it burns through quickly. And so that is why they're pairing this with that because they want the glycogen stores in the muscles to be full while you're doing your hit or your weight training. And you're going to use those up and you're going to need those for your energy and then you're going to deplete them. So more on that when I show you my boards and I break it down for you. All right. Also in the overview, number five, looking at carbs differently than most low-carb diets. This has been really eye-opening because as I'm getting ready to explain here when you understand low-carb diets, I guess in my mind, I always thought that carb cycling meant like super low, medium, super low, medium, and kind of find out there are all different ways to carb cycle and a lot of people who carb cycle do not do it as a low carb diet. They do it as a macro focused diet. In other words, they do it where they have high enough carbohydrates that that's their fuel source for the day. And then they have low enough carbohydrates that fat is their fuel source for the day. And so it's not necessarily, not all carb cycling is considered low carb dieting. Some are, but some are not. When I teach about the three methods, you'll understand more about that. But they're not necessarily, only one of the approaches actually tries to go for ketosis. The other ones are really looking at it with um, a, number of, a number of the benefits that we're going to get into, but one of them is pairing exercise with it so that they can sustain their workouts. 
Um, and so they're changing up fuel sources and they're not necessarily considering carbs bad. And this was a breath of fresh air to me coming from the last several years of looking at low carb and considering all carbs to be bad. I can remember telling so many people for so long that if you are going to eat an apple, you might as well eat a candy bar. Yeah, I said that. I said that because carbs were so villainized in my mind that if you ate an apple for 20 carbs, you might as well eat a Snickers. And this is what I even said. You might as well eat a Snickers bar because at least you have nuts. Yeah. You know, we get something in our heads. And this is one thing I love about intermittent fasting because it quits villainizing food so much. It quits making us look at foods as bad, bad, terrible, good, good, very good, bad, bad, terrible, good, bad, very bad. And it starts letting us look at it in a more healthful way. And that's what I really like um, about intermittent fasting. Just one of what, what I say, reason number 289. So anyway, I like intermittent fasting a lot. All right. So it's just a fuel source. That's all it is, right? Carbohydrates are a fuel source. When do we need them? When don't we? That's really what carb cycling focuses on. Um, also, as an overview, just because I really didn't know where to put this, um, and, and I, I always, I never understood why you cannot eat that many calories on a certain day, but you can weigh less the next day. I mean, you can weigh more the next day, even though you didn't eat that many calories. Have you ever had that happen where you're like, well, I ate so low yesterday, I'm going to weigh today. You know how we decide when we're going to weigh based on our food and all that and our exercise and the scales can be so difficult um, and misleading. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I learned through my research is not to weigh following a high carb day. Even though you're not eating very many calories you're on high carb day, high carb does not mean high calorie. High carb means low fat and that means steady calories. And that's another thing I like about it because it's not this in calories, which I think, um, you know, we can really, it, that can be helpful to us as long as we don't go too low. But so many low calorie diets just take us way, way, way too low um, for our metabolism. Uh, so when we eat high carbs, we are going to retain water. And so we might be having a low calorie day, but we might have 500 carbs 500 carbs, well, 500 carbs would be a 2,000 calorie day. So suppose you ate nothing but carbs and you ate 400 carbohydrate grams. That's only 1,600 calories. And so that might be a typical low day. So suppose you ate nothing but carbohydrates and you ate low enough that you should quote unquote lose weight because maybe you only ate 1,600 and maybe your body can handle 1,800 or 2,000 or whatever, depending on your exercise program and so forth. And um, but every gram of carbohydrate can store three to four grams of water. So even though you had a low calorie day, you should lose weight, you should be small, so on and so forth. You still might not, you still might not show it on the scale because every gram of carbohydrate gives you three to four grams of water retention because carbs grab a hold of water and hold them hold water molecules. So that's super interesting because, okay, 400 grams of carbohydrates on a low calorie day could yield you 1600 grams of water 
And I've told you before that I'm language lady. You can look me up on the internet and find me. I teach English and I write books, but I'm not mathematical mama. So my grams are really not very up to par. <laughs> but 1,600 grams of water would be a lot. All right, let's just leave it at that. Okay, so don't weigh following a high-carb day. Um, and of course, just like any other protocol, allow two to four weeks to adjust. Now, I want us to, before we ever get into the, um, the three approaches and three ways and all the math that that's going to endure, uh, that we're going to have to endure. <laughs> anyway, yeah, math, enduring math. Okay, before we get into all the math that we have to endure, I am going to just give a little carbohydrate lesson. All right. And this is why I needed two weeks for this, because it'll take me a whole uh, podcast slash video cast to explain the three uh, approaches and how to do the math on them. I'm going to have to have some lessons with my husband. He's a mathematical man. All right. So here I just want to talk. And those of you who are listening on the podcast, go to DonnaReach.com, episode 27 or 28. They'll They'll both be up in a couple of weeks. If you want to always... Um, hear this information first and see it potentially live or else to watch the recording at your own leisure, come to Donna's Intermittent Fasting Group on Facebook and join it. And you'll be able to uh, see the video cast uh, either live or watch them anytime. And then it, what I do is I record them and then the next week that goes up as a blog post and it goes up to YouTube and iTunes. So you can get it first hot off the press right here at Donna's Intermittent Fasting Group. All right, so let's just talk about the three three approaches to low carb because like I mentioned, the interesting thing to me was that uh, carb cyclers don't necessarily villainize carbohydrates. Like I said, that was a breath of fresh air because a lot of foods with carbohydrates are super, super healthy for us. And we are missing out on so many foods um, when we only keto or low carb. Now, I'm not putting down if that works for you and you can sustain that, then I think that's fantastic. You know why I think it's fantastic is because it's another boundary. And there are health benefits that research shows from every different approach. So we can't say that keto is bad because you only eat, you know, you eat 75% fat and that's terrible for you when there's research that shows that that really does help. We can't say that paleo is bad because they don't have, um, you know, this or that in their diet when research shows that that's healthy. We can't say that, um, you know, skimming 30% or 20% of our calories off of our diet is bad for us when research shows That if we all skimmed 20 to 30% of our intake, our total caloric intake off, we would all A, be at our goal weight and B, live up to 30% longer. I mean, there's research for everything. Actually, that last one is the only thing that is across the board always proven in rats and other mammals. So anyway, (laughs) but... I'm saying this to say there isn't a bad approach to eating or a good approach to eating with your intermittent fasting. You can do whatever you want to do, and there's probably something showing that it's good. So if you can sustain one of these first two low-carb approaches, then that's great. 
And if, you know, if that's what you want to do and it makes you feel good, that's the other thing. Making you feel good is super important. And that's what intermittent fasting does for many of us. It helps us feel better than we did when we ate all day. Um, so anyway, no rant, no rants here against everybody's eating approach or whatever. I'm just saying for me personally, keto and low carb is not sustainable. But for somebody else, it could be 100% sustainable because all they have to think about is carbs and they don't have to worry about um, the calories and other things. So every person will have their own um, benefits. All right. So here are the three low carb diets or three. I put low carb in quotation marks. You can see on the board because carb cycling isn't always considered low carb. All right. So the first one is keto. And um, there are... Uh, the breakdown of the macros for keto. So it's 75% fat, it's 15% protein, and it's 10% carbohydrates. Now, this is why I have another video called Why You Can't Sort Kind of Keto. I like that alliteration there. Why You Can't Kind of Keto. And this is why, because we have, a, you have a calorie padding. Research shows that there, what I call a calorie padding of between 100 and 500 calories a day, more that you can consume with a keto diet, with intermittent fasting, and with some low-carb protocols than what you could if you weren't following one of those three, keto, low-carb, or intermittent fasting. And it is because of all the ways that I teach that intermittent fasting benefits our metabolism and it benefits our fat burning, and it benefits our hunger hormones, and it benefits our other hormones, um, you know, like insulin and all of those things. So because of that, we have a little padding that's built in. And with keto, they, the padding is there when somebody's on the keto diet, where you probably have heard people who have eaten, they say, you know, I eat you know, 3,000 calories on keto, and I don't gain any weight. And they say that they do this because of the padding that they have from being on a keto diet, from being on a very, very low-carb diet. And so um, they have this padding built in. And so uh, some people like that because they like to eat more. But with the keto, we have 75% fat, 15% protein, and 10% carbs. The reason you can't kind of keto is because when you have this amount of fat and then you don't have, you come along and you eat more protein and you eat more carbs and things, then you're not on keto anymore and you no longer have that padding. So you can't really kind of keto. Um, you can like keto one day and then not keto another and balance it all out. But to kind of keto and then just do whatever you want for a couple of days or three or four days would really probably put you in a, a calorie surplus, which will probably lead to weight gain. Okay, the second low-carb diet is low-carb. And this is where you're not necessarily always trying to get into ketosis. And this is usually considered to be about 50 to 100 grams of carbohydrates per day. And people who do this usually don't have as much fat in their diet. They're not like taking coconut oil by the spoonful up here, eating nuts by the handfuls, um, you know, putting eggs on every single food they eat, um, stir frying everything in avocado oil and bacon grease and um, uh, olive oil and eating, um, you know, really high fat steaks and things like that. So this low carb is considered low carb 
um, at 50 to 100 grams of carbs, but you're not necessarily messing with these other macros so much. Usually somebody who's on low carb will have higher protein and less fat overall. And that is how they're making a calorie deficit. The funny thing about almost every eating approach is that we are making a calorie deficit, right? We're doing it with keto, but they don't have to make as much. We're doing it with intermittent fasting, but we don't have to make as much. They're doing it with low carb just by manipulating a macro. They are reducing calories, reducing calories. But none of these approaches is so low that you will hurt your metabolism. So that's the beauty of some of these other approaches as compared to like a very low calorie diet. All right, so low carb is 50 to 100 grams. And usually this is just for people who, like I was personally on this for a number of years. I averaged 100 carbs a day and I didn't lose a lot of weight on it, but I totally healed my prediabetes with nothing but this. I wasn't even on supplementation at the time. I just totally turned my health around. I was, I was in bad shape with prediabetes, um, like night blindness, um, brain fog to the point where I couldn't come up with words and so forth. I was, it was very scary. And I turned it around with just this. So this, is, this can be a healthy approach. Okay, the third one is carb cycling. And that's what this video and next week's video is about. And it is changing your fuel source from day to day. Some carb cycling programs focus on low carb, very low carb and low carb and medium carbs. And some just focus on low and high. And in that regard, the low and high, they are not necessarily focusing on getting into ketosis or being so low in carbs. They are just focusing on changing their fuel source from day to day. And that's important to note because carb cycling in that way with the high and the low that I'm going to teach you next week how to do the, all three levels, the, the different ways, the two that just go high and low, um, the low is not so low, it's more like in here, and the high is can be really high, like 200 carbs, 300 carbs a day, and all it is doing is focusing on what you're going to use for your fuel for that day. All right, so now I want to go into my rants and raves about carb cycling. Again, next week I have the three approaches, the simple approach, the difficult approach, and the most difficult approach, or simple, more difficult, most difficult. and um, I'm going to really uh, get into that. And I know that that feels so mathy, mathematical. And so I want to keep reminding you that if what you're doing is working, don't worry about this. But do learn about healthy eating. Do learn about how to open your window with healthy foods, about how to be healthier, food, eat healthier foods to prepare for the birthday party, about how to not only not just focus on, um, you know, having sugar every day, not focus on having white flour every day, but instead really, really look at how you can clean up your diet because you will feel so great. I know that is what I'm learning through intermittent fasting. It's just amazing. And it was something that I couldn't do on my own before intermittent fasting, and now I can. All right, so my rants and raves about carb cycling. First of all, practitioners say it's healthy because the focus is on all the macros. Okay, and I think that there's some truth to that. When we focus on single food macros, or in the case of proteins and fat, double food macros, like a steak has fat and protein, 
eggs have fat and protein, that type of thing. Nuts have fat and protein. But but as far as single food and that we're not mixing, say, you know, mixing something up to make a, a multi-food type dish, like a cake. <laughs> um, so uh, that there is some truth to that. I agree with that. It is thought to be healthy because it focuses on healthy carbs and real foods. And I think that if you take away only one thing from episode 27 and episode 28, it is, wow, carbs are not horrible and I should eat healthy carbs. Because if you've been restricting in the past and you didn't allow yourself corn and watermelon and brown rice and potatoes and sweet potatoes and bananas, like I tried to do for a number of years, those things become very important and very um, like a treat because we don't have to worry about them with intermittent fasting. We're going to burn through those anyway. And so we may as well get all the vitamins and minerals from those. Um, so I think that's true. It's not to be healthy because it focuses on healthy carbs and real foods. My rant, however, is how different is it from other separate your fats and carbs approaches. Those of us who've been around the block for a while, right? Remember Suzanne Summers, she's still teaching healthy eating and she has an approach like this. Uh, Trim Healthy Mama is another approach where they separate their fats and carbs for each meal. They have a lot of other restrictions and a lot of other counting, but the, the basis of Trim Healthy Mama is this time you have a low fat meal, this time you have a low carb meal, this time you have a low fat meal, next time you have a low carb food meal. So my question is how different is carb cycling from another separate your fats and carbs? Some people say separating your fats and carbs will have no bearing on weight loss, that it's all gonna shake out in the end and all it is is another way to bring in boundaries so you eat fewer calories. You know, are they right? You know, can we do the same thing with just intermittent fasting and looking at our whole week? Like I taught last week in episode 26 about calorie cycling. Can we do the exact same thing then as what we are going to do with this, with less work and less time, less effort? I don't know, that's something to consider. So in that regard, how different is calorie counting or calorie cycling from carb cycling in that the basic premise of all of them begins with your TDE, your total daily energy expenditure. So how different is um, this than one of those? It all starts with the same thing and it all affects the same thing. Just like intermittent fasting brings in your eating window making it small enough so that you um, consume fewer calories, so you have less to burn through during your fat burning fast, and you skim off the top so that you lose weight over time, then how different is carb cycling than just intermittent fasting? How different is it than calorie cycling when we're starting with the same premise and we're ending up at the same place? So those are some true questions to ask ourselves. Some say that carbohydrate cycling is better than cheat days or cheat meals because it works the carbs and calories into your total daily energy expenditure. So it's not just adding extra carbs and extra calories onto your week by saying, today's a free for all. I'm going to eat anything I want. Um, and again, we already have these boundaries built in with us, to us with intermittent fasting. 
So do we even need that? Do we or don't we? I don't know. Some may, some may not. Um, but then others have a cheat day or a, a free day built into it already, as you'll see next week when I teach the three ways. Um, I also think that carbohydrate day cycling, just like calorie cycling, is good for us as intermittent fasters to think about because it causes us to look at the entire week, not just one day. I think that if we want to take advantage of the skimming the calories off the top during intermittent fasting, during our smaller eating window, during our OMAD over three, if we want to skim that those calories off the top like that, we have to look at the whole week. And I know that this is, I had a, a long plateau this spring. And now I know after learning all of this material about calorie cycling, macros, carbohydrate cycling, now I know that my festive days were either too many or too festive. Can you ever really be too festive? I don't really know if I want to say that they were too festive. I love festive. So let's just say they were too many. Let's not say they were too festive. All right. So looking at macros, looking at calorie cycling, looking at carb cycling causes us to look at the whole week. And I think that is something that all of us can benefit from, even if we are still losing well and we're close to our goal or we're not hitting a plateau. We can just look at it and say, intermittent fasting gives me freedoms that other ways of eating do not give me. However, I still have to balance that because you're still consuming more calories on your festive days than your body needs, right? I did my TDE, I'm at 1800. And that's with my HIIT training and my strength training. So I'm at 1800 calories per day. And we all run on calories at the very basis of our, our body's functions. All right. Now, so many things can affect those. So many things. I hope you'll join the course where you will learn about the, where you will get to play the calories in calories out game where we see all these effects. I could gain over here. I could lose over here. Same calories. I could lose. I could gain. I could overeat. I could undereat. I could. So cool. It's not only calories, but we have this basis of calories. So, um, when we look at our whole week, if we have two festive days and those festive days take us, let's say we need 2000 calories and let's say those festive days take us to 2800. One night we have a pizza night and we have birthday cake and ice cream. Another night we went out for chips and salsa and we had the fiesta platter. Speaking of festive, fiesta platter, get it? Party platter, fiesta, festive. Okay. Anyway, and so we went to 2800. But all the rest of the time, we did not do anything except eat what we needed during our eating window, what we needed to remain at the weight we're at. Guess what? We just gained. Because we did not look at the whole week, and we did not say 2800 for Fiesta night, 2800 for grandbaby's birthday party. Whoa, babies. I need some apples, bananas, salad, green bean, chicken breast egg white days, healthy, healthy foods, just because I want to balance my whole week. 
it isn't necessarily a bad thing to look at what you eat, right? I think that, that we can get too far in intermittent fasting where we don't even look at what we eat at all. So I think that just examining this and, um, you know, looking at it as a whole is a good idea. It can be paired with your activity level, um, which that's true. Carb cycling, as we'll learn next week when we go up, we have a high carb day. We have a low fat day. We have a hard exercise day. And I'm going to walk you through that with my boards next week. Um, but can any intuitive approach do that? This is a rant and a rave, right? Rave because that's really cool that we can tweak our exercises to fit with our food and we can feel stronger. And now that I've been doing HIT and strength training, I really need that. I really, really feel it the next day when I either ate badly the night before or I didn't eat enough. I can really feel it during my workout first thing in the morning. I always work out fasted. So I think that's a good thing. But I'd also ask, can we do that intuitively? So that's something you have to consider. Can we just look at our week and just, you know, I need more food. I'm exercising. I'm working out fasted in the morning and I'm running, you know, and I'm doing uh, legs and back uh, with weight training. Can we do that intuitively? Okay. It is thought to be mentally and emotionally favorable because you know high carb day is coming. I think if you're going to count something, Calorie cycling or carb cycling would be my choice. And this is the biggest reason. Because mentally and emotionally, we know that that high-carb day is coming. I'm having a potato. I'm having apples. I'm having bananas. I'm having brown rice. I I think there's something very mental and very emotional that's, that's favorable with that. Do we need to do this? Do we need to try to work up some kind of emotional and mental favorability? I don't know. Maybe we do. I, I've been experimenting. Like I said, I did the calorie cycling, and I lost three pounds in three weeks doing the calorie cycling, and I was at a plateau, so it really helped me a lot. But you can choose for yourself. And then the next question about rants and raves with carb cycling is, do we do all of this automatically with intermittent fasting? There are a lot of people who do not do anything and they get all the way down to their size four or size six goal and they look amazing and they feel amazing and they don't do any of this. So that is really something that we have to ask ourselves if we want to adopt something else. Again, I wouldn't adopt it early on because I just feel like, A, you won't have anything else to go to later on with more restriction if you need it. And B, why do anything that you don't really need to do? So Suppose you don't need to do this, and suppose you don't join me next week to learn about the simple approach, the more difficult, and the most difficult. And suppose you just want to take some takeaways from this. Look at your whole week. Examine that in light of your total calorie intake. Look at your exercise and see how you can be stronger so that you can exercise better. Eat more real foods. Don't villainize certain food groups and enjoy the festive days. So that's it for today. I have some information about ease, which I'm going to talk about next week because I'm out of time today. But ease is our serapeptase, um, greenlit muscle, bromelain, uh, bromelain, and turmeric. 
supplement from Plexus. It's absolutely amazing. So you can read the information there, and I'll talk about it next week, or you can go to our store and look at it also. Again, you can get the samples of the Hunger Control Plexus Slim for free. You can get a sample at the blog, DonnaReach.com. So check that out. Plexus is our sponsor. Plexus, my Plexus business makes this business possible right now. <laughs> and so thank you so much for joining me and for all your encouraging words about the course and about the free webinar. Um, I will be uh, updating you on the next set of free webinars so that you can join and learn more about intermittent fasting there in my free webinar. And you can also invite friends to join. I'll also have information about the course. Subscribe at DonnaReach.com so you don't miss anything. Thanks a lot.